GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. An essay on the decline of Janito and spoken Spanish has earned Bayside student Jesse Chipol a ticket to speak in the House of Commons. I enjoyed speaking to the 15-year-old. On Saturday, there's a chance for the community to get together, do some exercise and fundraise for the charity Cancer Research, the Gibraltar branch. Stacey Gabay brought us the details. And our reporter Jonathan Sacramento told us about a ceremony to mark the anniversary of the Battle of Trafalgar, held early this morning at the cemetery. But first, how do you go about carrying out an interview with a vulnerable witness? It's a question posed to 10 RGP and care agency staff who carried out some training this morning. My colleague Shalina Asamal was there. I've been at Bleak House um, following some of these um, RGP and care agency professionals as they go through a five-day course um, uh, called Achieving Best Evidence. And um, it's all about learning how to correctly interview vulnerable witnesses. So um, that could be anyone under the age of 18 or people perhaps with a mental disorder, someone impaired by intelligence and social functioning, or someone with a physical disability. Uh, now, the course is being taught by Sarah Reyes, who we, who we just heard. Um, she's actually worked as a police officer in Devon and Cornwall for 30 years, and she's got this explainer on what exactly ABE is. Achieving best evidence is um, so that we can interview vulnerable people and intimidated people in a way where the courts accept um, their evidence is given in a, in a court case. So it's done in a visually recorded interview um, and there is a step-by-step guide that all police officers and care agency staff need to follow in order for them to um, do that interview. So there are eight RGP officers on the course that uh, Sarah just explained there and two social workers. After this, if they pass, they'll have that ABE qualification. And it's important because uh, these interviews with vulnerable witnesses actually can't be carried out without that qualification. At the moment, at the RGP, there are five to eight officers that have it. So that means they're the only ones capable of interviewing vulnerable witnesses, which of course, might make things move slowly at times. Um, And one of the officers um, on the course today actually told us that he's pretty hopeful this will allow the collection of evidence to um, move faster and more efficiently. So um, if that's correct, it would have a knock-on effect on court cases. Sometimes a positive one, yes, exactly. One that might see them move a little bit faster. Very often, um, as court reporters, you know, we do hear dockets are taking a while and they're still needing to do a number of things. So this might help things move faster in the court system too. Good stuff. Now, uh, an essay on the decline of Janito has earned Bayside student Jesse Chibol, just 15 years of age, um, a ticket to speak in the House of Commons. Quite impressive stuff. Uh, and uh, Jesse joins us now. Uh, good afternoon, Jesse. Thank you for, for coming to Broadcasting House. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Thank you very much for having me here today. Uh, our pleasure. Um, so uh, you've been congratulated by um, the GSD. You are uh, a GSD future member and you've been selected to address the UK Youth Parliament, um, which um, which must have been brilliant news to receive. Yeah, yeah, so correct. Yeah, I am part of the GSD future group and I'd like to thank them very much as they have taken me on 
like a member of their family and it they've they've really helped me out throughout this journey and um obviously so um yeah i'm I'm going to the house of commons it's an amazing achievement for me um honestly it's a dream last year i also applied and i didn't win but um my word of the day is perseverance and i continue and i'm here today yeah, well, I mean, like, uh, I think if at first you don't succeed, try again. Um, and you're, you're only 15, so so it's uh, I've never spoken in the House of Commons. <laughs> uh, and you're going to do it at, at, a, at a young age. Um, so tell us about the, the topic. Um, did, you know, why did you decide to write about um, the decline in the use of Janito? And, and also in the, uh, the decline in the informal use of Spanish among young Gibraltarians? Right, so obviously um, for me it's a topic that's very close to heart because uh, I've, from a young age both my parents have taught me to speak the Spanish language, my grandfather's Spanish and my dad's wife is now Spanish and obviously for me it's been easier. I think that in a different situation maybe I would have been just like the other students. Um, I'm in a top set Spanish class, I'm now doing my GCSEs and you come to realise that it's quite difficult for them to speak the Spanish language. Like most of them understand it and it's it's normal. There's obviously your your usual uh, British uh, person who's in the class who doesn't understand Spanish, but the Janito should understand it. It's quite a shame that living so close to Spain that we don't speak the language. It would be, I think, that it does. And, and uh, so in a class of I don't know how many uh, are in your class, but twenty twenty five I suppose. No? Yeah, around uh, thirty. Yeah. So around thirty people. How many of them um, are okay? in Spanish can, can sort of speak a sentence if they met somebody on the street who only spoke Spanish? Well, I, I'd say there it, we're a big class because obviously we're a, we're a top set and there's maybe, I don't know, five classes within the year. So obviously we're a top set probably better than the other classes, which I can't even imagine how, how they are. But I think that speaking a sentence or two, it would be all right, but it wouldn't be like a, a full-blown conversation. Like, for example, a, a, 20 or you 30 years have, back uh, my parents would have had with their friends for example so so um among your friends uh, in the in the in the playground uh, when you're when you're you know sort of speaking outside school english is is the first language yes english is the the core subject uh, the core subject the core uh, language that we speak and obviously uh, when i speak to my parents about it they say that it is quite a shame um because obviously this when they were younger they used to all interact in spanish not maybe not within the classroom because they had to speak in english then but with their friends it would have been more of a spanish conversation so and do you talk about that with your friends the fact that you merely talk english and not enough spanish i don't think they would understand that so yeah i don't really because like i i specifically one of my friends is is he's he's english so obviously he doesn't understand spanish as well but he tries he's actually quite funny he watches spanish videos and he tries because he understands that um, I, I feel very strongly about it, and that it would be a shame to be lost. So um, I suppose not just a shame when you're when you're um, 15 as you are. Uh, I suppose you're thinking about what topics you might want to do uh, for for A level. At, uh, if you're thinking about um, pursuing a higher education at university or at a college, um, it gives you more options if you have uh, that second language at, at a sufficiently developed level. Yeah, of course. I think that. For now, I would like to pick uh, Spanish A-level because it's a subject that I truly enjoy. Like, I, I love learning new languages. Uh, obviously, I couldn't pick to pick more than three GCSEs, but if not, I would have picked French. I would have picked all the languages because it's something that I enjoy. But, yeah, it does open many doors, especially when you want to, for example, I don't know, uh, pursue a career in Spain. 
And um, I was going to say, like, not just then a shame uh, because it's an opportunity that we have given the proximity and the amount of Spanish people that come in, but also the fact that uh, it gives you more opportunities um, to to sort of pursue, uh, you know, sort of uh, jobs, uh, culture as well. You know, there are some beautiful uh, works of art in Spanish, um, which you wouldn't have access to if you couldn't, if if you can't read it and understand it. Yeah, of course. And I suppose that many people like, for example, simple thing. Like, I think that it's very common and a tradition in Jib that on weekends you go to Spain, you go, you have your lunch there, you go visit your family. A lot of people have Spanish family. You go visit them. And when you're at a restaurant, think about going to a, I don't know, a, a, a nice fish restaurant. You want to eat your fish and you have to order your fish and you can't order it because you don't speak Spanish. That would be a really big shame. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know about you, but when I go to a restaurant, I always have a question about the menu. Yeah. So, so you know, you need, you, it, it's useful to, to be able to inquire about, you know, if, if this includes a particular ingredient that you don't like or if they can do it a particular way. You know, it's conversations that are very everyday and, and helpful to have. Of course. Um, Jesse, tell us a little bit about um, you know the, the the politics side of things. Uh, you know, you, you, you've uh, we introduced you as a GSD future member, and uh, I'm being told by my producer Kelly, who's sat with your dad uh, just next door, uh, that you were at the John McIntosh Hall for the whole of the count on election night. Yes, correct. I was there all night. It was uh, quite an experience. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I got to meet a lot of new people and throughout this whole journey that I've been part of the GSD Future, I've met a lot of people. I think that, um, of course, this, um, this Spanish in politics, it is important because, for example, uh, right now we're having the, the Brexit situation and as Mr. Picardo says, he got a WhatsApp message from um, Pedro Sanchez. Think about a future where we would have a chief minister that does not speak the Spanish language. These communications wouldn't be possible and it could be a disadvantage for Gibraltar and in continuing this Brexit negotiation, for example, in not now. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, we all hope that it doesn't continue to the point where a 15-year-old is still con- carrying out those <laughs> negotiations in yeah. 20 years. But but I, I know what you're saying, that it, it would be a real loss. Uh, and Mr. Picardo obviously is very fluent in, in Spanish and is perfectly capable of fielding interviews which is an important part of of being the chief minister um uh, in this context uh, handling questions from spanish media um and um, and and in, on the topic of politics and, and on the election night were most conversations in english would you say or, or you know were people also expressing their views in spanish no i mean i think that the vast majority of adults in in jib can speak the language quite well and the Janito language obviously it isn't fluent Spanish and we have our own words and it's not all Spanish so it's more improper use of Spanish but it Tarek uh, a lot of the GSD members did sp- do speak in Spanish and they do speak in Spanish to me and I think that Keith speaks Spanish as well and yeah, I, I would say that the vast majority of adults can speak I, I, I sort of um, went to a few of the hustings to, to report on them for GBC, and that was one of the things I realised, that uh, the language of the street uh, campaign for both political parties was Spanish. Janito, you know, sort of the odd sort of expression, but but in terms of, you know, English or Spanish, much more Spanish was, was spoken. I wonder if that will still be the case in 20 or 30 years. Well, I mean, I suppose it's moving with the times because obviously, like right now, the no, neither the GSLP or the GSD are looking for 16, 15 year old voters that don't speak the language. So obviously they're looking for voters that are older, the older generations that speak the language. So maybe in 20 or 30 years time, if this does continue to be a problem, 
it's just going to move with the times and we're just yeah. going to be talking in English, which would be a shame again. And do, do you think we can stop that uh, loss of of uh, fluency in, in Spanish and, and the ability to, you know, to, to speak in, in that language? I mean, I think it's a, a really big problem at home, as in it, it starts at home. If your parents don't speak in Spanish to you, that that's where it starts like your parents must speak in spanish to you so i urge for your parents for parents to speak in spanish to their children but obviously that's not something that the government or anyone can enforce like what happens at home happens at home it's it's like that but within schools i think that it is important that we must further instill the language because it is becoming a problem especially as we're, we're meant to know like on a weekly basis for gcse students for example we have two lessons of spanish instead of the three that the UK has. The UK get to choose between Spanish and French. We just have to do Spanish. And we're meant to know a certain amount of Spanish. So we have two lessons instead of having three. 30 years ago, that would have been all right. Why? Because they knew what they were talking and what they were doing and their grades would have been all right and it would have been a, wouldn't have been affected, probably higher than in the UK. But now, each time, it's becoming even worse. So maybe we should have three lessons instead of two. Interesting. Um, right, let's b- bring you back to the the reason uh, that we brought you in, Jesse. Um, your your sort of essay, your your thoughts on this loss of Janito has earned you uh, a ticket to speak in the House of Commons to address the UK Youth Parliament. How are you going to approach that, and what will your your message be there? Is it just to raise awareness uh, about Gibraltar's situation? My message, obviously, I think that it's Gibraltar is known for a lot of different historical and cultural events and a lot of Gibraltar has a lot of history. But what we must remember is that Spain has a huge role in that history. It doesn't mean we are Spanish because we are British and we acknowledge that and we know that. But it doesn't mean that we must not take into account the Spanish and that we have to continue to keep them within our presence because they're always going to be there. It's not like we're just going to wake up one day and they're going to be gone. So, so that we don't get bullied in a sense because in the future we could get bullied as they can basically take the mickey out of us without us understanding what they're saying it is important that we should continue that and it's important to raise awareness as maybe many parents aren't realizing that playing spanish television as well uh spanish youtube all of that is important for the youth so i was going to say that's a that's a good tip um a lot of uh youtube nowadays and but but most of those videos are available in spanish or similar videos are available in spanish as well as english no? yeah correct and you watch a fair amount of them in spanish from a from a very young age i have always watched quite a diverse different types yeah. of yeah that's great. my mom even says that i used to listen to chinese television so quite interesting wow okay yeah. so. <laughs> i don't speak chinese but it was you found it interesting yeah, yeah of course well i've really enjoyed talking to you jesse um and i wish you the very best of luck um when you speak in the house of commons uh, to the uk uh, youth parliament uh, congratulations on um on on winning that opportunity thank you very much jonathan Let's tell you about a ceremony to mark the anniversary of the Battle of Trafalgar held today at the cemetery. You might have noticed some traffic diversions first thing this morning. Our reporter Jonathan Sacramento was there and joins us now. Uh, Jonathan, uh, what was the sort of, you know, it's obviously a somber tone, I suppose. Mm, but um, yeah. Well, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a, a naval ceremony to mark the the memory and the... Uh, the anniversary of of the Battle of Trafalgar, which happened in eighteen o five, around about this time, and it's uh, it's held at the Trafalgar Cemetery every year. Funnily enough, even though the cemetery is named after the Battle of Trafalgar, 
We all know that Trafalgar's in the area of like Caños de Meca. That's the sort of area where just the, just the, north of Tarifa. Yeah, and that's where the famous uh, naval battle between Britain and uh, and Spain and France was fought, and it was quite a, uh, an important victory for the Royal Navy. And it marked the. Uh, it was an important year for the Royal Navy because it marked the the ascendance and the supremacy of the seas that the Royal Navy then enjoyed for the next hundred years or so. And for Gibraltar, it was very important as well because that marked also the beginning of the well, in earnest, of that important relationship between Gibraltar and the Royal Navy. And Gibraltar was, was made famous by. Uh, by the bringing ashore of the body of Admiral Nelson. So, yeah, a significant uh, uh, event, even though uh, actually, and um, not a lot of people know this, that there are only two casualties of the Battle of Trafalgar actually buried in the uh, Trafalgar Cemetery. In fact, uh, uh, most people buried there are uh, victims of the yellow fever, uh, civilians, uh, or, or uh, uh, tombstones which have been moved there from other cemeteries in Gibraltar. And uh, the event this morning then brought together the governor, uh, commander of British forces, the chief minister. Yes, uh, and uh, and other senior ranks uh, from the Royal Navy, uh, Gibraltar Squadron, uh, and uh, members' ratings uh, from, from the Royal Navy, as well as uh, Father Daniel Hernandez, who's the command chaplain. Uh, and uh, the, all, all uh, dignitaries uh, had an address of some sort. The governor read out the original dispatch sent by uh, Admiral Collingwood uh, to the governor of Gibraltar on the victory at the Battle of Trafalgar. Uh, the chief minister read out the, uh, the, the preamble to the ceremony and uh, the uh, CBF read out uh, the, the naval prayer that was written by Admiral Nelson himself. Good stuff. And uh, I saw them as I cycled in this morning. I saw them just after the ceremony enjoying a breakfast at mm. the Trafalgar <laughs> bar. Um, we're going to look ahead to an event that's happening tomorrow morning. Uh, as from, uh, well, the meeting is at nine o'clock, warm up at 10.30 and the Walk for Life itself starts at 11. Uh, that's from Casemates at 11 tomorrow, uh, the Walk for Life, uh, which of course is organised by and, and raises money for uh, the charity uh, Cancer Research, the Gibraltar branch. And uh, it's my pleasure to be joined by Stacey Gabay now, um, representing the charity. Good afternoon, Stacey. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about, um, uh, you know, what, what the local branch does and, and why this event is so important. So the, the local branch has been running for more than 50 years now. Um, we've been raising money for Cancer Research UK through various um, events, People also raise money for us, which is amazing in the community. Um, we pretty much organize all these events like the Walk for Life, um, which is, I think you'd agree, quite iconic for Jib. Um, very much a family-based event. So It's one of those that yeah. uh, I, I think it might have had to stop because of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. The pandemic yeah. was awful for charities like in general. And it's been quite hard to pick up where we left off. Um, we haven't really, I think it was last year, we didn't run it because it, it was something we did every year. But since the pandemic, it's been a bit more difficult. But we really hope to sort of Make get back it on a, track. an annual. Because yeah. I was going to say, because it used to be something yeah. that was a regular fixture. No? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we hope to continue that for many, many years. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and for charities, I guess, the, the you know, the, the, the two sides are important. Raising awareness. Yeah. Well, there's more than just two, but raising awareness 
uh, raising some funds yeah. because uh, in the case of your charity there's important research being done uh, and everybody who has been touched by cancer in some way and, mm -hmm. and a lot of us have uh, you know we're, we're always hoping that there will be a, a development and a breakthrough and, and that uh, you know, uh, people who are affected by cancer are going to be less affected uh, and, and will be able to, to, to live better with it or, you know, or, or even better than that, uh, you yeah. know. Um, so, so talk to us about those two aspects. I mean, there must be yeah, so fundraising. Is, is it, is it it's an a important huge event? part, but obviously awareness is is a really big deal today. For example, Think Pink Day. Um, we've encouraged. Oh, well done. <laughs> we've yes, I encouraged. Just remembered because of my children in school. <laughs> oh, see, so schools have taken part. Um, a lot of businesses have taken part. They've been tagging us throughout the day. Some businesses choose to also raise funds, but it's not necessary. It's just an awareness day, like there are many throughout the year, different flag days, and then obviously the fundraising side of it. Um, you know, people are welcome to to run their own events. Um, we're happy to to come and show support. Um, we obviously run our own events throughout the year. We've got hopefully some more coming up um, this year. So, yeah, both sides are super, super important. Okay, uh, so let's talk about tomorrow. Um, Walk yep. for Life from Casemates at 11. Tell us a little bit about the what's happening ahead of the start. Yep, so we start our registration at 9am, so we'll all be there bright and early. Um, if you want to come down early, come, register, have some breakfast, have some churros. <laughs> and then you can join in the warm-up at 10.30 with Janine from the Base Training Club. Um, and then we officially start the walk at 11. Um, it's always really fun, powerful, emotional. But it's such a big community event. Like, I remember it growing up. We'd go every year. It was like, oh, October. Okay. <laughs> the Walk for Life. So, yeah, we hope to see lots of people down there tomorrow. And, and your mum has been involved in the charity for, for many years or helped the charity yeah, for many so years? Yeah, so my mum was never officially, I don't think she was on the committee, but we've always sort of been involved with cancer research because I think like many people in Jib, we've been touched by cancer. Like... I think it's alarming the amount of people in Jib that have been touched by cancer. But so it's always something fundraising has always been part of like our family. Um, I actually, when my dad passed away, started a charity as well to raise funds through that for cancer research. Um, so it's just something that we've always been brought up with, which I think is something everyone should be brought up with, you know, to be charitable. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's something it's something we've always done. And and uh, so so then uh, you said it's emotional. I mean, uh, do do um, survivors tend to sort of share their stories? Do you, do you tend to talk about loved ones lost to cancer? Yeah. So on the day we have these um, papers that you can pin to your tops um, in memory of, in celebration of. Hopefully one day we can eradicate the in memory of papers. But it's it's really nice. It's really really nice. Everyone sort of really comes together and it's showing support for each other and it's just lovely it's really nice it's lovely to, yeah. to remember i mean it's it's uh, very sad you know to, mm. to lose loved ones but it's lovely that they live on in memory and that um, and that people you you can remember them with other people who have fond memories of them no? yeah it's like a membership club no one wants to be part of but everyone is very supportive of each other and I think that's something really special about Jib. I'm sure lots of other places are very supportive as well but 
no hay nadie como los Janito, ¿no? <laughs> um, so if, if somebody wants to take part, then the walk is starting at 11. There's yeah. a warm-up from 10.30. Mm -hmm. A warm-up followed by churros. <laughs> not I, provided I, I like by the us, idea of but... Both. <laughs> I like the idea of both, but I'm not sure if I could stomach churros and then start <laughs> jumping up and down. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to judge you if you try it. Yeah. And um, and then if somebody is going to say, if somebody maybe is walking through casemates but, but can't commit to the walk, uh, they can support by making... Yeah. Donations, they can make a donation. We'll have T-shirts on sale. Um, I think they're these ones, the pink ones that we've got on sale. Uh, we'll have a raffle as well. I should mention that. We have a raffle with great prizes. Um, E1 Spa and Wellness donated a spa day for two. Um, Albert from the Edinburgh Arms donated a voucher as well for the restaurant. We have a cake donated by Christine Linares and we have Jim Maroc as well, a fruit hamper. So, you know, it's worth coming down even if you're not physically able to do the walk for the ambiente, just, you know, to help us fundraise. Um, be, be part of that community. Yeah, be part of event, the yeah? be part of the community even if you can't even if you can't do the walk, you know, it's important. It's a nice social event. So why not? Okay, well, we hope it goes really well for you. Thank you. Um, thank you for joining us, Stacey. Goodbye. And just a reminder of those all-important details then. The walk, which is several kilometres long, not too yeah, not too, not too bad. Yeah. Um, probably family-friendly, really, no? Very family-friendly, yeah. Uh, it'll be uh, starting at 11 from Casemates tomorrow, and the weather is set to be better than it was yes. last night. Yes, don't worry, everyone. Please come down. It's not going to rain. <laughs> <laughs> Stacey, best of luck, and thanks again for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.